Over a million patients a year are treated with respect, warmth, and compassion at Boston Medical Center. It's in this spirit of community that we offer our podcast series to you, featuring our doctors and staff. This is Boston Med Talks. Here's Melanie Cole. I'm a sleeper, and I'll admit it, I'm a napper. It's my dirty little secret, but I am somebody who values every second of sleep that I got, and not everybody is as lucky as I am, and not everybody can sleep very well. And here to tell us about sleep disorders is my guest, Dr. Sanford Auerbach. He's the director of the Sleep Disorders Center at Boston Medical Center and an associate professor of neurology, psychiatry, and behavioral neurosciences at Boston University School of Medicine. Dr. Auerbach, tell us, let's just jump right into the new sleep lab at BMC. Tell us all about it. Well, we're actually all very excited about it. We just had the opportunity to move our lab into this um, beautiful new facility on the Questown Questown building. Um, It's a comprehensive sleep lab, 12 beds. We operate seven nights a week, so we're quite busy there. Uh, And uh, we do everything. We we, uh, see people at night there. Uh, We do sleep studies on all sorts of patients with all sorts of sleep studies, with all sorts of different types of problems. We see pediatrics. We see adults. Uh, we also have, when when it's appropriate, we also do some home sleep testing. Uh, we also have a variety of other tests that we do according to the needs of the particular patient. We have full staff of, of clinicians who are involved in the sleep program as well, uh, not just from neurology and medicine and pulmonary medicine and pediatrics and we have surgeons who are very intimately involved in, in our sleep disorder center as well. So, you know, it's it's quite a busy place. What are the some What are some of the most common sleep disorders that you see? If it's quite a busy place, there must be a lot of people in the country today that are suffering from some sort of sleep disorder. Doctor, what do you see most often? Probably the two sorts of problems that we see the most of. Uh, one of them are patients who have insomnia. People have just difficulties falling asleep, staying asleep, waking up too early, just having non-restorative sleep. And and so we certainly see lots of patients with that problem. And the other kind of problem we see are patients who really do need sleep studies because they have sleep-disordered breathing. That is, when they go to sleep at night, very often these people are loud snorers, but not necessarily and when they go to sleep at night, their breathing is irregular. They pause in their breathing, and uh, at the end of the night, they may think they've slept well, but in fact, uh, they're not as refreshed as they should be, and they feel tired during the day oftentimes. Uh, there are also greater risk for all sorts of other medical problems. Uh, so it's a, it's a very important disorder that we can treat, and, and so it's very important that we identify that. There are so many reasons as I was saying, and as you just pointed out, that people suffer from sleep disorders, and we're learning more and more, doctor, about the link between a lack of sleep and obesity and diabetes and heart disease and all of these other things. If you could tell people one most important bit of information about the effects of good quality sleep on our overall health, what would you tell them? Sleep deprivation is bad. And, and I say that somewhat facetiously in that there have actually been many, many studies to, dis, to, to really define that. And you've already hinted at some of them. Uh, these, these, and these things are, it's all pervasive. People who don't sleep well certainly don't function as well during the day. They're not as sharp. Their memory's not as quite as good. 
they're not as clear in their thinking. They become more irritable. They may have more difficulties with interactions with others. But it, it, there's even more more difficulties than just that. We know that these people are at increased risk for developing all sorts of medical problems, uh, difficulties with high blood pressure. They have difficulties with other kinds of vascular difficulties. When people have looked at people coming to the hospital for other reasons, like stroke, well, you'd be shocked. At least 50 to 70% of them have sleep apnea. Wow. And disruptions in the quality of their sleep. And, and so we're very actively trying to develop programs to, to address those needs. Uh, and there is more than just that. These people are at increased risk of developing, and there's plenty of studies showing that later in life, uh, elderly people are at greater risk of developing cognitive impairments. Uh, perhaps even a greater risk of developing Alzheimer's disease and similar types of disorders without proper sleep. So sleep is critical, uh, not just from our day-to-day function, but in our long-term health. Uh, again, we see all these sorts of problems in our clinic uh, when patients come in. And, and sometimes it's not the, the sleep complaint per se that drives them into our sleep clinic, but rather the other identification of these other medical issues. And, and we've talked just so far about insomnia. We've talked about uh, sleep-related breathing problems, but we see other sorts of problems. We see things like restless leg syndrome. We see where people have uh, nightmare disorders. We see people who actually develop a very curious kind of problem, uh, usually when they're older, where they actually will act out their dreams, which is a concern because normally when people dream, we're paralyzed. We really don't move much, and and yet here's a group of people who had, who have developed this this dream enactment, and they start acting out their dreams, which by itself, you know, one could see, you know, that may be curious or interesting. Certainly, there's some safety concerns for the patient and, and the bed partner, but it turns out that these people are at significant risk for developing other kinds of neurological problems over the years. So all of these are very, very important for all sorts of different reasons to identify these these problems. And what's interesting, too, is that most of the sleep patients that we see, we can oftentimes be very effective in helping them. Wow, that is really interesting information, especially the people that act out their dreams. I would be so curious to be able to record my dreams. Tell us a little bit. We don't have a lot of time. And, Doctor, there's so much information on sleep disorders that we could go over but what is a sleep study like? Can people really even get a decent night's sleep there? Are they nervous? What is it even like for somebody? Well, well part, of, part of the trick is is making sure we select the right patients to have these studies done. So the types of patients, we, in fact, we'll see, oftentimes see many, many patients where we do not get a, a sleep study done uh, because we can go ahead based on this information from the patient and examination and other sorts of tests that we may get, that is oftentimes not necessary to get an overnight sleep study. Uh, some people it is. Uh, if there's any suspicion, for instance, of a sleep-disordered breathing problem, then indeed a sleep study is important. We see people whose sleep quality is pretty good, and yet they need excessive amounts of sleep to function. Uh, there are disorders one of which is called narcolepsy and other similar types of disorders. We will also do sleep studies to examine their sleep. Again, you know, the types of treatments are very different. Uh, on the other hand, we'll oftentimes see people who, after we examine them and talk to them, 
we seem to have a pattern of what we would call insomnia, those people, oftentimes, we may not necessarily need to get a, a standard overnight sleep study on. Uh, sometimes we may do other kinds of testing, but not necessarily the typical study that would bring them into the lab at night. Uh, so again, it's a matter of looking for these, looking for this information, but also picking and choosing our patients. So if somebody comes to me and they have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep, and they, after going over them, I think it's more of a typical sort of insomnia pattern, I may not be inclined to bring them after a sleep study. Uh, for not, you know, I don't know. I want to necessarily have somebody come to our sleep lab and watch them not sleep all night. So we, we do place some effort in trying to properly pick and choose the patients come to the lab. It's rare. It's rare that we'll have somebody come to the sleep lab, spend the night, and we won't be able to get information from, from that study. Uh, we know that's not exactly the same thing as sleeping at home, but we also know how to balance out the, those effects. So uh, it's rare that, that that we have to repeat a study just because we wouldn't get, get enough information. So that's so interesting, and sleep studies to me are so interesting. As we wrap up, Dr. Auerbach, tell us your best advice. There's a new field now we're hearing about. It's called sleep hygiene, and people want to know what it is you would like us to do, whether it's melatonin or the white noise or the lights and, and our phones and the electronics and the stress. There's so many things now that come in the way of a good quality night's sleep. Give us your very best information, what you would like us to know about the fact that a good night's sleep, it's not a luxury, it's a necessity. So give us your best advice. Well, I think that it's back to basics. And I think that's what sleep hygiene is all about, back to basics. It's important that the person, each of us establish some sort of regular sleep cycle. We can, you can, you can, cheat a little bit here or there from time to time, but pretty much have a regular pattern of sleep when you're going to go to bed, when you're going to wake up each day. Uh, make sure that you allow enough time to get enough sleep. Uh, very often with everybody's busy day uh, and busy days now, people don't even allow themselves enough time to sleep properly. Uh, make sure that you have a proper sleep environment. Make sure that you know, it, 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 there, are not, there are no excessive distractions. Uh, make sure that you know. It's, we usually, rec- for most people, a slightly cool environment is the best if, if you can have access to it. It should be relatively quiet and free of distraction. A free distraction because we want you to be able to relax. It has to be a time of night or time of day when you can just separate yourself uh, from the rest of the world. Now, of course. You know, so there's always these things that come up, which are somewhat controversial. For instance, should a person read in bed? Now, for some people, and I have to confess, like me, if I read in bed, usually I get maybe a paragraph done and, and I'm out. Uh, other people, though, may read in bed and find that they'll just stay up all night until they finish the book. So it's a matter of, of designing the, the, this environment for yourself. It has to be free of things that are going to be distracting to you, yet it has to be something that will allow you to relax. And, and that same thing goes for television or any other distractions. You have to, it has to be a relaxing environment. It's no place for, for, for your, your desktop computer. It's no place for even for your 
iPhone to be or your other smartphone to be. Uh, it should be free of those kinds of distractions. There are other things that you can do to prepare your body for this. Regular exercise is, is very helpful for maintaining good quality sleep. Be careful of the things that, that we, we eat and drink. Uh, you know, the two, the two factors that we find that, that the, the most difficult to deal with you know, with our patients, one of which is caffeine. People develop these caffeine habits. And, and caffeine can vary a lot from individual to individual in terms of how potent it may be and also how long the effects may last. So for some people, it may last a, a very long time. So, And people, as they get older, lose sight of the fact that you metabolize these things differently. So, so you may have been able to have uh, espresso after dinner when you were young, but now you get older, you have to be careful uh, because it may have a much more significant effect. Uh, and so caffeine is a big issue. And for some people, you know, they have to really limit their caffeine consumption. Uh, and, and they also have to be careful of the fact that it will change as they get older. Alcohol is the other culprit. Alcohol is, is somewhat misleading or deceptive in some ways because for most people, alcohol in the evening can be very relaxing and, and help actually fall asleep. Uh, the problem is, is that after a few hours, there's, most people are susceptible to this uh, rebound effect. And, and so the second half of the night is not that great. It's more disrupted. And so at the end of it all, the net effect is, is, is not necessarily a positive effect. One has to be careful about caffeine and alcohol, uh, among other things. Uh, those are the basic elements that go into what's called sleep hygiene. Again, it's being careful of the environment, the setting, the timing of sleep, things we eat, drink, and exercise. And the final thing is, of course, which goes into this, is taking stock of, of the other medical issues that are ongoing. Make sure that those are properly addressed. You know, back pain, other kinds of pain problems will interfere with sleep and need to be properly addressed. Uh, we want to make sure that, that the medications you're taking, some medications may actually be stimulating and, and make it difficult and should be shifted from taking them in the evening and should be taken in the morning. Uh, so there are a variety of things that, that the patient can address with their primary care physician about how to manage those features. Wow, it's great information. What a great segment. So usable and important, this information that you've given us today, doctor. Thank you for sharing your expertise on something that so many people suffer from, and whether they recognize it in themselves or their loved ones push them and say, stop it already, let's get in and see someone. It's really great information. This is Boston Med Talks with Boston Medical Center. For more information on the new sleep lab at Boston Medical Center, you can go to bmc.org. That's bmc.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks for tuning in.